Good. I need more energy. Good morning. Good morning. God bless you. God bless you. It's good to be here at Valley. Uh, I have a lot of energy, so I need you to give me some of the energy that I give you back. That way it'll help me to move off that stage real quick. I am a Baptist preacher, so if I don't hear too many amens, I feel like I got to work a little bit harder. So if you give me some amens, I may be here a short period of time. But if you look at me like you're looking at me now, I feel like I got to work a little bit harder. Uh, I'm, I'm excited and delighted to be here uh, to share God's Word with you. Uh, as Mike has said, I've known uh, Mike for quite some time. And when he came here, uh, I started working with him more at Towson University. And as things started happening here, I found myself praying for Valley uh, a little bit more because I was hearing what was happening. And so I was grateful. Uh, for the opportunity to come out and share from God's Word with you. Uh, I see some friendly folks. My wife is here. Uh, sweeties, please stand up. I want them to see you. That is my wife. She has a great crown up in heaven because she deals with me on a constant basis. Uh, my son in the faith, Anthony, you can stand up too. Um, I've known Anthony since he was a teenager uh, at Colonial, and we've kept uh, going. Uh, God's doing some amazing stuff in and through his life. I'm, I'm so proud of the man he's become and what God is doing in his heart. Uh, there are some others that have come from Disciples Path. Brother Will, good to see you. The Bowens, good to see you. Uh, we're excited. Um, there's one thing that gets me real excited, and that's the Lord Jesus. Uh, just recognizing what he's done in my own life. And so I preach with a lot of passion. So sound booth, sometimes you may have to turn me down because you're going to get an echo. Uh, but on the screen, you see a stadium. How many people like baseball? How many people remember Memorial Stadium? Going there to games as a little kid. I was that person, went to a game. Uh, my great-grandfather loved baseball, and he would take me uh, to the game. And if you remember Memorial Stadium, they had columns all over the place. You try to sit back up underneath one of them so the sun's not beaming on you. Uh, but my very first game, I sat underneath the column, I mean underneath the uh, underpass, and the column was right in my way. And I, I kept looking at my great-grandfather, I'm like, how are you having fun? I can't see anything. All I see is this pole. And eventually, my great-grandfather looked at my expression and was recognizing that I wasn't enjoying myself. So he kind of said, Barry, why don't you come sit on my lap? Why don't you come look at the game from my seat and seeing if that will give you a better perspective because he could see the whole field. I couldn't see the whole field. I think that's what the Apostle Paul is doing for the church at Philippi. He's trying to help them to look at their difficult situation or their challenges from his perspective of understanding that Christ is trying to do a work in and through you 
And so in this letter, he's trying to help them to understand perspective about what Christ is doing, help them understand their passion, and then their purpose. And so those three P's is what we're going to look for out of this passage. I titled this message, Honoring Christ in Difficult Situations. Honoring Christ in Difficult Situations. What I like to do is read the text, and then we'll walk through the text, and then I'll be done. Amen? Oh, y'all learned quick. That was a quick time. I thought I was going to go through this a couple times. Uh, I have the Christian Standard Version. I don't know which is the home version here, uh, but it is a good translation. It's one of the ones I love to use. Uh, so if you have like the English Standard, it, a few words may be a little different, but uh, follow with me as I read. Philippians 1, uh, beginning in verse 12. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord for my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not merely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ is highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The word of God is blessed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come uh, this time to hear from you. Uh, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your truth. Renew our minds, God, so that we can uh, walk worthy of the gospel, that we could live life worthy of our callings, uh, that we would recognize all that you're doing in and through difficult times in our life. God, help us not to see them uh, as a burden, but as an opportunity to bring glory to your name. Now let the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom we trust. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, Philippians is one of those books that you just love to read. Uh, it's one of those books that it's filled with encouragement. Uh, one of the key words in the book is rejoice. Uh, if you understand uh, the word rejoice simply just means in the constant state that you're in, you're never 
too high and you're never too low. You're always on an even keel. You understand that God is at work and doing stuff. And Paul and Silas birthed this church out of a difficult season. Uh, Acts chapter 16, uh, where Paul and Silas were thrown into prison uh, because there was a heckler. Anybody been to ball games and there's hecklers in the, in the stand? For days, Paul and Silas have been preaching the gospel and heckler, this fortune teller, this demon-possessed child kept coming around behind them. And eventually, Paul said, enough's enough. He exercised that demon out of him and the fortune tellers that were making money were no longer making money. And guess what happened? They got upset and they said, they're causing trouble. And so they had them thrown in jail. And so you got to understand, some of the first converts in this church were women that they met down by the street that were having a prayer service. Next were people that were in jail. Because the Bible says at midnight, uh, Paul and Silas were singing praises to God. I don't know about you. If I get thrown into jail, as sanctified as I believe I am, I don't know that I'm going to sing praises. I may sing some things, but it ain't going to be praises. And we have Paul and Silas in jail singing praises so much and so that people around them are like, there is something different about them. Nobody that's in the dungeon will just start breaking out into him. So that's what encourages me if you understand the backdrop of this letter. They are church members that were birthed out of difficult times. Many of them were in prison. They heard the gospel from the prison. And can I tell you the gospel is not in chains. The gospel has power to reach people no matter where you are. And what happens is we believe they're not ready yet. We believe they won't receive. Not understanding that God has put you where he has placed you to be a gospel testimony. And if churches all over could recognize what our main point is today, a Christ-centered perspective that fuels our passion, which shapes our purpose. If we could start looking at life through a Christ-centered perspective, understanding that Christ is always at work. He does not use uh, natural ways, always. Sometimes he puts us in difficult situations so that we can learn what's going on in our hearts. I can praise God with the best of them when things are going well. Anybody else can do that? When, when my bank account looks good, you know, after you get paid in a while, you start looking at it and say, wow, that looks kind of neat. I feel like I can take a vacation. I can take some time off. But what happens when the air conditioner goes up? What happens when a car breaks down and you get that unexpected bill and you have to go into your reserves and your reserves start going a little low? Can you still praise them? Can you still give him glory because he set aside provision before you even had car trouble so that you can walk in a dealership 
as a trophy of grace. And really, I don't know about you, once again, I have a hard time going to car dealers when my car breaks down because I feel like you're getting ready to get me. And if I feel like you're getting ready to get me, I get real defensive. See that little woman right there? I'm going to tell you a true story. We just came back from vacation two weeks ago. Southwest Airlines, bless their heart. I paid for tickets months ago. One of us got bumped. They oversold the plane. I struggled with that. I struggled deeply with that. And that little woman, she has control over me like no one else. Because I felt my temperature rising. You know how when you feel like you're starting to get heated? Because I had already been in the airport for a while. We tried to get through uh, TSA. Her ticket, she didn't have a ticket. She had a ticket the morning, but when we get up to TSA on her phone, there's no ticket. So I'm at, yeah, I turned my head just like you did, ma'am. I looked at them like, wait a minute, what in the world is going on? Oh, they said, you need to go back around to, to uh, Southwest, they'll give you a ticket. I'm like, ma'am, do you not know our flight's getting ready to take off? I can't stand in this line again. So I take a deep breath and I walk over. I won't tell you the conversation I had with my wife because it's not sanctified. Uh, but the whole way, I'm six foot five. She is a midget, so she can maneuver through people. And so as I try to maneuver back to get back to the front because the TSA said, come to me, people are looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, excuse me, sir, I'm following that lady there. That's all I know. And I get back up there, and the worst TSA agent, she doesn't mess with the midget. She comes to me, and she starts, sir, where are you, and why are you in the front of the line? I'm like, ma'am, this gentleman right here asked us to go get a ticket and come back. I don't care what he told you. You are not to cross this line. I was like, oh. This is getting bad. This is getting real. I felt myself losing it. And my wife has a way of just grabbing me. Any, any wives in here know how to just touch your husband? And husbands know when you get that touch, that means you're not acting Christ-like. You're not representing the kingdom well. And so I took a step back, and I, and I just... And the woman kept going on, and there's a sarcastic part in my soul. She says, I don't care if you have an emergency. You do not cross this line. I said, ma'am, you should care about everyone. She said, you talk again, I'm going to lock you up. <clears throat> Everything in me wanted to say something again. But that little woman touched me. And that touch said, Barry, you're being too much now. 
I need you to calm down. So we get up to the southwest on the other side. She's like, yep, she got bumped, but you can get on. I'm an honest preacher. I contemplated that well. I have a ticket. I'm on A boarding. And I'm like, well, I'll get the bags when I get home, and I'll see you when you get home. Imagine how that went over. Didn't go over well, did it? So she says, okay, let's go get something to eat, and let's, let's process this. In the time of processing this, God was speaking to my soul. He was letting me know, I put you in the airport for such a time as this to bring witness to me. And by the time we went back up to the area, the woman had messed up again. And instead of giving her what she deserved, I chose to give her grace. I chose to tell her, ma'am, if you need to take my seat, I'll be bumped as well. And doing that, the woman was so elated that we each got 1,900 points or $1,900 in next flights. I'm like, don't you understand? I'm not flying Southwest again no time soon. <laughs> Please don't believe you're going to bribe me to get back into this situation. But imagine if I had done what Barry wanted to do. I had every right because I purchased those tickets months ago. But sometimes we need to lean in with grace. We need to lean in with love. We need to lean in with empathy. Because the woman that, that was, it wasn't her fault. She was just taking the brunt of everybody that got bumped. And so if we can understand in Paul's letter to Philippi that all that they were going through, God had purpose. All that Paul was currently going through, because this is one of his prison epistles, he had purpose. And Paul understood his purpose. I want you to listen to what he writes in Acts 20, 22 to 24. This is to the Ephesian elders. This is when he was leaving, knowing that he wasn't going to come back to see them. Paul says, and now I am on my way to Jerusalem. Sound familiar? Christ was on his way to Jerusalem. Compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. You know, I got to stop right there. Barry does not like pain. I'm going to tell you that up front. I'm not a pain person. I'm the biggest wimp there is. Paul says the Spirit let him know he was, you're going to be locked up. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be ostracized. That's what's waiting for you. But yet, Paul says, look at his retort. 
as I keep waiting, reading. He says, but I consider my life of no value to me. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Wow. Every time I read that, that just blows me away. He understood that his life was not about him. It wasn't about what he wanted. It was about what God wanted and what the Spirit of God was speaking in and through him. Paul was on his way before he got to Philippi. He was on his way to another town, but the Spirit stopped him. To live such in line with the Spirit that, okay, I'll, I'll confess, Barry believes Barry's ways are the best. <laughs> yep. A lot of times, some of the arguments my wife and I, well, not arguments, intense moments of fellowship, I call them. <laughs> when we go back and forth, guess who always thinks they're right? Guess who, when they're right in the end, doesn't say, I told you so. Guess who over, we're getting ready to celebrate 30 years. She's learned to just shut up and let what she said sink in. Sometimes I think we need to do that with the Holy Spirit. To just shut, shut up, because he has a bigger perspective of what he's doing and just follow. That has always been one of my hardest things is to not give you my opinion. I'm very opinionated. If you don't know, and my wife, in all her goodness, has lived through all my opinions and seen God transform my opinions. And so now I've learned, I'm still opinionated, but I don't speak them as often. I've learned to keep my mouth shut. I've learned to listen to the Spirit of God and follow where he's going. And understanding that Paul said, I am in Christ. That was his whole perspective about being in Christ. And so what does that mean? He is, as he would call himself, a servant in his other letters, a slave. Uh, he would call himself uh, a servant of all. And Paul wrote most of the New Testament, so you would think Paul would have better superlatives to say about himself. But if the Apostle Paul could call himself a slave, what do you think we should call ourselves? What should our perspective be as we serve Christ? And as we jump into this text, uh, I want you to hear what Paul said about himself in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul recognized who he was in Christ. He, know, he, he understood that all his accolades from before what he says in Philippians chapter 3 are of no value. 
And his greatest goal was to get to know Christ. I want some of you to think back when you were dating and you wanted to get to know your significant other. Anybody do any foolish things? I did. I was an athlete. My wife was a cheerleader. I used to fake an injury and have to take a ice bath for 20 minutes just so I could carry her shoes. Yep, I was dumb. You know, when, when you're in love, you do dumb things. That was, that was kind of up there for me. Ice baths are not pleasing. If anyone has ever been to physical therapy and they asked you to put ice on you, imagine soaking your whole body in that tub. And that's how bad I wanted to get to know her. That's how bad I wanted to sacrifice all because the teammates were joking me and they told me, she'll never like you. I said, okay. I said, okay, we'll see. And so I got hurt every practice. And every practice, I went to the ice bath all because I wanted to know her. What are you willing to sacrifice to get to know the Savior of your soul that died on the cross for you? That bore my sins and your sins? Sometimes we talk about spending time with Him. I would spend hours with her. And it would seem like it was only a minute. Remember when you were in love? You know, I would tell my age, you fall asleep on the phone. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up first. I love you more because I won't hang up on you. But when we're talking about devotionals, it's like we want to get in and out. It's a check. Instead of really, really gazing into the eyes of your Savior, willing to understand his heart because the world was going to attack you the minute you put that Bible down. The minute you leave, there's an attack coming. And what I try to help all of us in our perspective, as Paul puts it, we don't wage war against flesh and blood. Other people are not our enemy. But we do have a real enemy, but you don't see him. He can influence people but I want us to get the perspective that Paul has that everything he went through was so that the advancement of the gospel could move forward. Look at what he says in verse 12 to 14. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So that purpose caused, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Look at this. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. Paul was all about advancing the gospel. Understanding that's a God thing. That's the first thing we need to understand. From beginning to end, the gospel is about God. 
And Paul said there were two types of people. The whole imperial guard and to everyone else. Basically unbelievers. So as he was chained to them, he was talking about his Savior. He was talking about the Lord. He was talking about what Christ did for him that was encouraging him while he was in jail. Sometimes we got to take a step back from our situation and recognize even though this situation does not feel good, how can I honor Christ in it? I need to preach the gospel to myself. And that's what I believe Paul was doing. But look what he did for believers, the brothers. He said they gained confidence in the Lord. They speak the word fearlessly. I guess, I guess, if I was in jail, and I was chained to a, a guard, and I'm just talking about Jesus as Lord, and I wasn't fearful, don't you think that would encourage those around me listening to it? Sometimes we, we get in those situations, and instead of looking at Christ for who he is, Lord, curious, uh, master, owner, recognizing the situation didn't catch him by off guard, that he has something greater for me, that somebody in the room needs to understand my story and my journey, that may not ask me about Christ, but because he is my Lord, I talk about him all the time. I talk about him waking me up. I talk about him giving me opportunities to serve. And so whoever's around, it gives them the opportunity to hear. Not only that, Paul was passionate about preaching Christ. What are you passionate about preaching? Your accolades? What, what things you have? Paul was all about Christ. Look at what he says, 15 through 18. He says, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes! And I will continue to rejoice. Understand, Paul was passionate about Christ being preached. He wasn't, he wasn't criticizing the other churches. He wasn't criticizing the other preachers. All he was wanting to know, are you preaching Christ and him crucified? Are you preaching that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose three days later? That was what he was worried about. If you look at the letter to uh, the Galatians, he says, who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you to believe another gospel? And so for Paul, I don't care what your motive is. All I care is that you preach Christ crucified, buried, and risen. Because that's the power. That's what gets people out of the kingdom of darkness and places them to the kingdom of light. 
Too many times we make judgment calls about who we want to preach the gospel to. Not knowing that God's always already did a work in their heart to receive it. So Paul, his passion was to preach Christ. And I believe it came out of his Damascus Road experience. The light shined down on him. Midday. You know that had to be a pretty bright light. Sun was already up. And he describes this as the light shining down on him. But there are so many souls out there. I think we need a couple of Ananiases that God sent to Saul. And Ananias was like me. God, you sure? You sure you want me to go talk to him? Uh, God, if you don't know, he killing Christians. And he's like, he got letters from everywhere to lock us up. And you want me to go share the gospel with him? I think we need a few more Ananiases to just say yes, Lord. Being willing to go to that one that you don't know what God's already prepared in his heart to receive the message that Christ died for our sins. Let that sink in. He didn't die for your mistake. He didn't die because you were a good person. He didn't die because of what you have in the bank. He came and died for sins. Rebellion against God. We were once enemies. Yet Christ died for us. That's a message that will translate no matter where you go. I've been afforded the opportunity to preach in Africa. Multiple times I've been afforded the opportunity to preach in the Dominican Republic. Any way you put the gospel, it translates. Love translates. Care translates. People want to know you care before they care how much you know. How do you show somebody you care? By sharing your story and your journey with Christ. Be passionate about preaching Christ. And lastly, understand the purpose that Christ will be highly honored through your life. Look at what Paul says. Because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. But that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body whether by life or by death. Understand, Paul understood it was all about Christ's glory. He wanted Christ to be made so much of that every time people saw him, they saw Christ. If that would be our testimony, if that would be our desire to live in such a way when difficult things happen in our life, we'll be able to use this closing. To honor Christ in difficult situations, we must put Christ in the center of our lives, transforming our perspectives, fueling our passions, and clarifying our purposes for his glory. So simply put, it's all about believers putting Christ first, ahead of all we want, that we may live for him. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Apostle Paul 
who gives us the picture of a servant that his whole desire is to live out the ministry that the Lord Jesus gave him to do and to testify to the goodness and the grace of the gospel. Father, help us to have a Christ-first perspective. Help us to be passionate about the good news of Christ's death for our sins, about his burial and his resurrection, that he's alive, making intercession for each one of us. And then help us to honor Christ in our bodies. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior. Today would be a great day to make a decision for Christ, to make him the center, the focal point of your life. Pastor Mike uh, will be here. I will be here. Uh, if you want to make that decision today for Christ, just slip up your hand uh, or come down. We'll pray with you, pray for you. Or maybe you want to become part of Valley Baptist Church. Whatever God is working on in your heart, now is the time. Work with God. Uh, we want to pray for you. Uh, we want to minister to you. In any way, how we can serve you, we're here to serve. Uh, next, I think we'll have a song.